Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. You know, when I was in the fifth grade, my dad was my fifth grade teacher. Yeah, y'all feeling my pain, huh? And I mean, he was loving it, but I wasn't so happy about it. But I remember in the, in the fifth grade, I started having trouble reading the, the, the chalkboard. I couldn't see the, the front of the room. And so my dad moved me from the back of the class and put my desk right up there by his. Yeah, how convenient. In the fifth grade, I started wearing glasses. And so I had glasses from fifth grade to about eighth grade. And uh, then I got contacts, high school years and college and then you know, about five, six, seven years ago, had LASIK surgery. It's funny because I was telling my kids about the need for glasses. And my son, Trevor, he said, wait a second, Dad. You wore glasses as a kid? It's like, yeah. He said, you mean to tell me that when you were a kid, you had frizzy red hair? I was like, yeah. He said, you had freckles? I was like, yeah. He said, you had buck teeth? I said, yeah. He said... And you wore glasses? He said, Dad, that's exactly what a nerd looks like. I'm like, hey, baby, don't be hating on the nerds. Come on, nerd and proud of it. Uh, Thinking about glasses. You know, vision is so important. The Bible says where there is no vision, people perish. Can I have a better amen? And if that's true, then the opposite is equally true. Where there is vision, then people flourish. And I believe that one of the things, one of the signs of a healthy house is that there's vision in the house. You know, that that men and women have a vision of what their life is supposed to look like. That when you come to church, you're clear on the vision of what's in this house. And so we're not perishing, we're flourishing. We've got direction. We've got purpose. We can see it. Vision is about helping people see the plans and the purposes of God for their life. And so I wanted to frame in the vision of Healing Place with four words. If I could paint a picture so we see it, my my goal today is that you leave here this morning with a clear vision. We know the heartbeat of this house. We know who God has called us to be. Because if you don't have clear vision, you begin to drift. Sometimes you get confused. It's easy to be deceived. But when you know who you are, when you know whose you are, When you know what God has called you to, when the vision is clear and your focus and purpose are in alignment, there's power. If you're taking notes, write down the word new. Everybody say new. As you write that word down, I want to read quickly a testimony out of our recent 21-day prayer journey. A young lady, 24 years old, she said this, I'd been a slave to the bondage of bulimia for the past six years. It had become a normal but hidden part of my life. With countless failed attempts to quit, I'd been left with the constant weight of guilt and shame, insecurity, and hopelessness. The biggest weight to carry, though, was the feeling that I had failed as a Christian. I desperately tried to build my relationship with Christ and keep him close, but this was a constant wall that kept me from hearing 
And, and that was torture. I just couldn't stand not hearing from God. The week prior to 21 days of prayer, I'd been approached by loving friends and family members. They could no longer watch me destroy myself. I was constantly dehydrated. I was tired. My weight fluctuated. I was even losing my hair. I couldn't keep up with my graduate-level schooling. So after the tough conversation with my loved ones, I decided I would give it one last effort to stop. Some of you are here this morning and you say, you know what? I'll give God one more chance. I'll give this whole thing called church just one more chance. She said, I decided to give it one last effort to stop. So I spoke to my parents and told them my plan and said, if things didn't change after these 21 days, I would find a place to go for help. The next morning began the first day of a new life for me. She said, through daily discipline and the help of a few close friends keeping me accountable, I can't explain this radical heart and soul transformation that happened to me. Every single time I said no to the enemy, it drew me closer to Christ. My flesh literally began to be silenced. I began to live out the freedom and peace that resulted in me asking for more of God. And less of me. It was invigorating watching my desires transform into heavenly aligned desires, no longer fleshly desires. By the end of week one, I thought about how I had not gone that long without purging for at least six years. I couldn't believe it. I was amazed daily at the truth in God's promise to give us supernatural strength when we need and finally give it to him. I am no longer bound by bulimia. I, am no, I no longer have the desire to destroy my body as a way of coping with stress. I am made new. Can I have an amen? Isn't that awesome? You see, this word, now we've been praying over the last 21 days, and these four words are something that we've been talking about, things that God had dropped in our spirit for 2017. And I just believe that there's a longing inside of men and women for something new. I just believe people struggle through life and, and they desire for a new season, for a new beginning, for a fresh start. How many of you know in life you don't get a lot of do-overs? Sometimes life doesn't afford you with too many second chances, but this is the power of the gospel. The whole message of the gospel is this. Your past no longer has to have a hold on you, but you can start brand new. I love it how God creates something out of nothing. He doesn't just repair or remodel, but he makes things completely new from the inside out. Look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah 43. I love these two verses. Isaiah 43, 18, the Bible says this, do not remember the former things. Don't even consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Somebody say new thing. God says, don't worry about the past. Don't, 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 don't fret. Don't hold on to yesterday. He says, I am doing a new thing and now it shall spring forth. Somebody say now. Sometimes we say, God, when? When is it going to happen? The word of the Lord is now. He says, I can make all things new right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to struggle any longer. He says, now it shall spring forth. Don't you know it? I'll even make a road in the wilderness, and I'll give you rivers in the desert. Can somebody talk to me this morning? You see, part of embracing what's new is dismissing what's old. I mean, sometimes we're stretching, we're longing for a fresh start and a new beginning, but you can't embrace what's new until you first let go of what's old. 
You got to let go. The scripture says, do not consider the things of old. Remember not the former things. I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to step into a new reality, you're going to need a new mentality. Oh, come on. Who's getting this today? See, some of us long for a new reality, but we're holding on to an old way of thinking. Well, I think I'm going to preach to this section right here. Y'all getting it right here. You know, I consider the, the, the children of Israel. Remember how they had been slaves for over 400 years, just beat down, baking bricks in the hot sun. I mean, oppressed. And God raised up Moses to be a deliverer. And God, through Moses, did supernatural things and brought them out of slavery, brought them out of bondage. Those Egyptians had beaten God's people down for too long. The cries of God's people had reached his ears, and he said, it's time now. And so Moses led them out of Egypt. But what happened in the wilderness? They, they, they wandered, didn't they? In fact, the scripture tells us that they went in circles for how long? 40 years. You see, you know what that tells me? They may have been out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. Come on now. And if you want to step into something new, you're going to have to let go of what's old. Sometimes we struggle and we say, well, God, you, you promised to make all things new. Why don't I see that in my marriage? Why don't I see that in my finances? Why don't I see that in my children or in my career? And God's saying, wait a second, wait a second. You got to let go of the past. Come on. Sometimes we live as a slave to the past. I'm going to tell you this. Don't judge me by my past. I don't live there anymore. Now, maybe you did what they say you did, but you are not who they say you are. You got to let go of what's old so you can grab a hold of what's new. Are you catching this? You know, I can remember the first time I went ice skating. Has anybody ever been ice skating before? You got to be a, a, a little half crazy to go ice skating. You know, we, we were, I think we were in the gallery, and the, uh, Trevor wasn't even born. Then the girls wanted to go ice skating. And so, Daddy, come on, take us ice skating. The very first time I put skates on my feet, I realized this is not smart. I thought, Lord, if you wanted me to skate, you'd have created my feet with blades. And so what do you do when you first step out on the ice? They have that handrail. How many knows what I'm talking about? Boy, I was fighting it. I was struggling. I was staggering, holding on to that rail. And I'm thinking, is this supposed to be fun? Why would people do this for recreation? Are you kidding me? And so, man, I'm going all the way around the rink, you know, and the girls are like, oh, dad, come on. You know, they have a lower center of gravity. And, man, it just seemed like they just pick it up so naturally. And, man, I'm just, you know, struggling to hold on to the rail. And then part of that rink, it had the rail that went all the way around, but there was about a 20-foot gap. The rail stopped, and there was an entrance for everybody to come in, and then 20 feet on the other side of that entrance was the rail. And so for about 10 minutes, I'm just clutching that rail, thinking, if I let go, I'm going down. And then you know how you think about how to fall gracefully? You know? So I'm contemplating, what am I going to do? I'm holding on to the rail. And then I got the revelation, listen, I can't move forward if I'm constantly holding on to the past. I'm gonna have to let go of that rail, and I'm for a minute now, I'm gonna have to just be trusting God. I may be free falling, but bless God, I'm free. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I gotta let go of what's behind me so I can reach out to what's in front of me. Come on, somebody say new. 
God makes all things new. I want you to know Healing Place Church is a place where your past is not held against you. God makes all things new. He makes people new. He makes our thinking new. He renews our marriages. He renews our spirit. He renews our relationship. God's making things new. Don't, and let me just stop right here and say this, and I feel like this may be specifically for somebody here today. Don't give up on the person you're becoming. Don't you dare give up on the person you're becoming. God's doing a work in you, and it may not come as quickly as you want it to. And sometimes there's frustration along the way, but I want to tell you by the Spirit of God, don't give up on the person you're becoming. You may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. You know, God's doing some new things even in us as a church. I want you to consider some of the new additions to our family. In 2017, we will see three. It's like having babies. We're giving birth as a church. This year, we've launched in Mozambique, we've launched our second campus. I don't know if you knew that or not, but Mozambique, now we, we're about to celebrate 10 years, and I'll go to help them in the spring. We're going to celebrate 10 years of being a campus, but that church, that campus is so healthy that we have now begun from that original site to launch a second location. In Mozambique, we've already had over 1,200 people worshiping God today already. That God's making new things happen in Mozambique. I want you to consider this. In, in March of this year, we will launch a Healing Place campus in Estepona, Spain. Estepona is one of the, to me, I think it's one of the strategic locations in the earth. It's right there at the Straits of Gibraltar where the mouth of the Mediterranean begins to open up. And right there in Estepona, it's a city of about 120, maybe 130,000 people. But you can see the Rock of Gibraltar, which is owned by Great Britain. And you can see the Moroccan coastline of Africa. And so you have Muslim influence, you've got a strong Catholic influence, and you've got a melting pot of people. And God has connected us with an amazing couple, Dick and Ruth Flores, and we've been walking with them for the last several years. In fact, I think Rusty Domain is there today preaching. But in March, we'll be able to launch Healing Place Church Spain. Can I have a good amen? I know some of you are thinking, sign me up for that missions trip. And did you know this year we're believing by the grace of God that our Denham Springs campus will be launched. We're believing, and I'm going to tell you this, good news, the funding necessary, because remember we said that we felt God instruct us that we were going to build that campus out, campus on cash only. We weren't going to borrow any money, go into any debt. So about a, a 15, 16, 17 months ago, we bought that piece of property, paid cash for it. Do you know that all the money necessary for the construction project, it has come in? Come on, somebody say, yay, God. Listen, Jesus was serious when he says, behold, I'm making all things new, not just a replica of the past. You got to let go of your past so you can embrace what's in front of you. Can I have a better amen? Amen. So new is the first word. The second word I want you to write down is the word connect. Everybody say connect. You know, I believe the number one need of people is to be connected to God. But hear me, sometimes people find God through other people. Uh, Sometimes people connect with God to people who are connected to God. Does that make sense? 
And here's what I begin to pray. Lord, if they're looking for you, let them find you in me. You see, sometimes people may never darken the door of a church, but just because they don't come to church doesn't mean the church can't come to them. Man, where I work and where I serve and where I go and the people that I run into, I'm bringing the spirit, the life-giving spirit of God with me. And so, Lord, sometimes people are looking for you and they don't even know it. But when they run into me, let them be reminded of you. And I'm just praying that as a church this year, we will connect people not only to God, but to each other. I thought of the, the phrase sticky church. Everybody say sticky. Oh, I just pray there's something about this place that'll just stick to you. It just gets on you. Just stick, it just rubs up against you. You just can't get it off of you. Can't get it off your mind. Can't get it out of your spirit. Something about that place. Boy, I didn't understand everything about it the first time I went. Ooh, kind of big, kind of intimidating. But boy, I like that. The spirit of that place. It just kind of rub up against you and stick on you. You know, the other day I sat down at the kitchen table. And when I sat down, I kind of put, I know I shouldn't put my elbows on the table. But I did. Just kind of rested, started talking to Rachel. I'm like, what? What is, what is this all over? And I look and I saw like jelly all over that place. And I'm like, okay, who made a PBJ right here? Didn't clean it up, but jelly all over the place. It was Michaela. She liked that jelly thick. Just lay it on there thick. She didn't clean it up and so there was sticky all over. And I found the more that I moved in it, the stickier it just got. And then the thought hit me, Lord, I pray when people come to healing place, let them not only be connected to you, but connected to the world around them. You need friendships in this place. You see, if you're in a small group or you go through the next steps process, that helps make a big church smaller. You know, and it's important. I think God's plan for us is to be connected. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need me. Now tell them, say, hey, I need you. Now, if you're saved and single and searching, just trying to help a brother out right there. I told Rachel when I first met her, I said, baby, I put the stud in Bible study. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I didn't say that. Your connection determines your direction. Pastor David said that last week. Our connections determine our direction. If you don't like the direction your life is headed, you might want to see who you're connected to. Some of you need to switch up some things in your life. When you go back to old friends, you go back to old sins. Come on, somebody. You need to unplug in some areas, and you need to dial in and get connected in others. Now, look, I got about four or five guys. I want you to come help me. I want you to come up here quickly, quickly, quickly. Is that Colleen? Are you with us, too? I got some guys and girls. Okay, I want you to see how this works, okay? This is some of our great staff and team here at HPC. Put your hands together. Show your love for this great group. Okay, now what we're going to do is, I want you to get a good camera shot on this. You may need to to show the playing field. We're going to do two lines facing each other. All right, Ryan, get over here. Okay, David over here. Joe, you're you're back over there with Colleen and Jeff and Brad. Okay, you remember the game Red Rover, Red Rover? How many members that? Oh, man, why don't they play that game anymore? Got too much technology and kids are doing this. Man, you need to just form two lines and run at each other as fast as you can. That was fun back in the day. Amen. 
But the goal of Red Rover, we say Red Rover, Red Rover, okay? Two lines form against each other. And so when we say like Red Rover, Red Rover, if I say Red Rover, Red, now we're, we're kind of holding hands. Okay, I know this is awkward. It just got awkward. If I say, okay, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Jeffrey right over, okay? Jeff's name gets called. What is his mission in this game? Oh, yeah, like a heat-seeking missile, he's going to do everything he can to run as fast as he can to get us to, to break rank, right? Red Rover, Red Rover, send Jeff right over. Come on, Jeff. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, Jesus. Oh, Lord, Jesus. Okay, now look, so if, if Jeff, can, now, now watch this, Jeff's purpose is to find the weak link. Notice he didn't run at me. I'm just saying. Probably because I signed his paycheck, but he ain't running at Pastor. He ran at DW and he ran, he ran at Ryan. Well, he, well, I, this was a little questionable right here. So, so, so he, if, if, if he breaks the link between Ryan and David, then what happens is he now takes da David back to the other side. Okay, so now we've lost one. Okay, why? Because we've become divided. Okay, do you see that? I want you to know this. Now, don't go anywhere yet. The enemy of your soul is finding the weak link. I'll tell you this. You can't be strong in the Lord and weak in relationships. You'll never be as strong in God if your relationships aren't strong to each other. The, the, the more godly connections we have, the stronger in the Lord we are. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost on that. And, and, and listen, the limit is never God. It's always us. But, but we, we can't be strong in the Lord and weak in relationship. So if we've broken, if, if Jeff has broken this line, now he's got David on his side. The enemy will try to divide and conquer. If he can keep you isolated and keep you disconnected, well, you don't need to go. That's a big old church over there. Man, they're never even going to know if you were there or not. Man, there's no way. It's like a mall when you walk in the concourse. That's not a church. You don't, and he'll make you think that you come on Sundays and you can never build friendships. You can never build relationships. And yet week after week, we talk about next steps. We talk about small groups. We talk about Bible studies. We say, listen, we want to be smaller to know you. We want to be big enough to serve you, but small enough to know you. I'm telling you, you can build life-giving relationships. DW, come back over here. Come back over here. Well, now, what if we say, now, this is part two. Now we're not just holding hands here. Let's lock arms, okay? Let's lock arms. Okay, now what we're saying is this. We're saying Red Rover, Red Rover, send Jeffrey right over. Now, Jeffrey doesn't know this, but he's fixing to get clotheslined right now. <laughs> Jeff, come on up over here. Now, if we catch him, boom. Yeah, catch him up right under the chin. Now, all of a sudden, okay, now he didn't break rank here. But now, all of a sudden, we've got power and strength because we're not just holding hands. We're locking arms. You see, and, and I believe this, if you'll lock arms with another brother or sister in, the Christ, in, in Christ, watch this. Red Rover, Red Rover, the devil's coming right over. That's how he works. In your job, in your family, in your marriage, with your children, sickness in your body, Red Rover, Red Rover, the devil's coming over. But if you're locked arms with other brothers and sisters in Christ, he cannot divide you. Come on, put your hands together, show your love. Good job, Jeff. Jeff, did David hurt you? You know, he's okay. All right. Everybody say connect. 
How did Jesus do it? Think about the model of Christ. How did he do it? He did it through relationships. He did it through personal investment. You see, Jesus could have been a one-man show. He didn't need us. We needed him. But he modeled something when he called 12 disciples and he said, let's do life together. Connection is huge. Look at what it says in Acts 4.13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. Have you ever ever felt that way? I'm just an ordinary guy. I don't know how much I have to offer. These were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, but they also recognized these as men who had been with Jesus. I'm going to tell you this. It's not what you know. It's who you know. You say, I don't know enough Bible. I'm not, I don't know enough of the scriptures. Man, I can't preach like you, and I'm not sure I have all the words. It's not what you know. It's who you know. And if you'll prioritize your connection, watch this. Jesus makes all things new. But then out of that, you and I, we need to connect. Number three, I want you to write down the word grow. Everybody say grow. I'm going to pedal as fast as I can. Grow. See these words. These are the, I'm trying to frame in the picture of 2017 here at Healing Place Church. We believe that as God makes things new in your life and you prioritize relationship and connection to others, you'll begin to grow. I believe that Healing Place is an environment for growth. You're going to grow in your spirit. You're going to grow in your understanding. Guess what? We're going to grow in numbers. We're going to grow in campuses. But my priority is that we'll grow in maturity. Watch this. If you don't make a commitment to grow, you'll become a critic of those who are growing. Mm. 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 Let me say that again. If you don't make a commitment to grow, you soon will become a critic of those who are growing. It's easy to criticize something that's bigger and more successful. Well, you know, that big old church, that that church just about entertainment. You know, well, you know, they water down the gospel over there. If you don't make a commitment, (laughs) hey, you'd be amazed at the things that I hear. I'm telling you, I know what's out there. I know it. And I don't care. (laughs) I really don't. Why? Because we keep our eyes on the prize. You know, I mean, we know what our vision is here. We know who God has called us to be. And I say this, and not to be disrespectful, there are great churches in Baton Rouge, all across this community, and you'll never hear me, you'll never hear any pastor stand on this stage and criticize another church. We just won't do it. We will, I refuse to do that. I'm not going to take the bait that says, okay, i got to tear somebody else down. See, there's two ways to have the biggest building in town. You either build it yourself or you spend all of your time trying to tear everybody else's building down. Now, we don't do that here. We got our eyes on the prize. We're committed to grow. And so others can criticize, but our commitment is to grow, to grow in spirit, to grow in faith, to grow in compassion. The second Peter 3.18, the scripture says this, rather you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know this, that when your life is healthy, growth is automatic? Parents, consider this. How do your children grow? You ever think about that? How many of you, when you were younger, your mom or your dad put you up against the door door seal and, 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 you know, stood you up and then measured, made a little line with a pencil? Did your parents do this? They marked how tall you were when you were six years old, put your initials by it and the date by it. 
And then six months or a year later, you stand right up against that door. My parents are the only one that did that. It was remarkable. And then you could just mark the progress. Wow, how did that happen? You know, my dad never stood over my bed at night and just said, grow, please. I need you to be six foot two, 225 pounds, all muscle. And I just, oh, would you just grow? Please, I just don't know. No, no, you know what they did? They fed me. I had good nutrition. I had good exercise. I got out and I played. My body was free from sickness. And then I got plenty of rest. When you're healthy in your heart, your heart grows. When your house is healthy, it grows. You see, our purpose is to create an environment of health because I know this, that if you're healthy in God, you're going to grow in God. I don't have to beg this church to get bigger. I don't have to say, well, God, we just, what are we going to do to just increase? No, 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 no. We're always going to have problems because we're reaching our capacity. Man, we need to add another service. We need another campus. We need another building. Lord, I can't, we just can't keep up with the growth of what's happening here. I remember the summer between my, my, my seventh and eighth grade years. At the end of the seventh grade, I was five foot two. At the beginning of the eighth grade, just three months later, I was five foot ten. I grew eight inches in three months. And I remember the pain. I had a condition called Osgood Schlatter's. I remember the pain. And, oh, man, it was like a stretch, and it was going to ice down my knees and went to see orthopedics and, man, tried to get all kinds of help. What was going on? God was growing me physically. You know what? I believe God's growing some of you. Some of the stretching and the pain that you're experiencing, it's because God is growing you. Don't fight it. Embrace it. Listen, we're better today than we were yesterday and not as good as we're going to be tomorrow. We're growing. You know, I heard this on the radio this week. Uh, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, she was driving in the mountains of North Carolina and she entered this construction area and it was marked off and it had cones and signs and, you know, all kinds of machinery and workers and, and for miles just kind of weaved through this construction area uh, on the highway until finally she saw a sign that said this, end of construction, thank you for your patience. And do you know when Ruth Graham, when she died in 2007, on her tombstone is inscribed the same thing, end of construction, Thank you for your patience. Do you know that if you're here and you've got breath and you've got life, you are a work in progress. You are a construction zone and God is building his home in you. Can I have a better amen? Now, let me, let me finish this up. Let me wrap this up. Everybody say new. Everybody say connect. Everybody say grow. Now, everybody say harvest. Oh, and this is where it gets good. Oh, the harvest. Do you see the progression? God makes you new. Then you connect with other brothers and sisters. Then you begin to see growth in your life. And then there's this word called harvest. And this is the word that I can't get out of my spirit when I think about this year for Healing Place Church. You know, in, in just an agricultural sense, there are different seasons. There's seed, there's time, and then there's harvest. Seed time and harvest. You plant some things into the ground. You've got to give it some time. You've got to cultivate that. But then the harvest comes, okay? Now, now watch this. The ground never prepares itself. How many know we got to work that ground? 
Ground doesn't prepare itself. It requires labor and toil. Can I tell you, 2016 was filled with labor and toil. From police shootings and civilian loss of life in July to the floods of August, and some of us still are not back in our homes, it has been filled with labor and toil. But you know what we've had the opportunity to do last year? We've planted a whole lot of seeds. In fact, I want you to consider what we put in the ground. Seed, time, and harvest. Think about 10,000 hot meals that we gave out at Thanksgiving. Think about all those Thanksgiving kits for those who weren't in their home. Think about the, 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 the candle lighting services, the memorial services, the funeral services. Think about the gift cards we've been able to bless people. Think about the toys for, for single moms and foster care kids. Think about all the seed that we've put into the ground. Can I tell you, we have put too much good seed into the ground not to expect a harvest. Tell you this, a harvest is coming. In fact, turn your attention to the screen. I want you to see what you and I were able to be a part of at the end of last year leading up to the 320 offering. Check this out. Can you put your hands together this morning? Put that screen up there again. Did you see the 320 offering total? Now again, and I'm not making this about dollars, but I'm telling you, whether it's a hot meal or whether it's a gift in the 320 offering, it's all about souls. $885,000 you gave last year in the 320 offering. Can I tell you, that is good seed that we put into the ground. It's $150,000 more than last year's offering. Are you kidding me? How does that happen? Well, I tell you how it happens. Because you understand the power of seed, time, and harvest. You know what? When you sow good seed, you'll reap good fruit. I'm just believing this. Your help is in your harvest. Your help is in your harvest. You know what? That's the church that I see. That's the church that I see. I see a church that values the, the power of the gospel to make all things new.
I see men and women connected not only to God but to each other. I see homes and marriages and students and children growing in their faith, growing in maturity. I see a harvest of souls coming into this house. You see, the church that I see is a church of influence. It's a church so large in size that a city and nation cannot ignore it. It's a church growing so quickly that buildings struggle to contain the increase. I see a church whose heartfelt praise and worship, it touches heaven and it changes earth. Worship that influences the praises of people throughout the entire world, exalting Christ with powerful songs of faith and hope. I see a church whose altars are constantly being filled, filled with men, filled with women, both young and old, turning from their past, turning from their pain, turning from their sin, and turning their heart toward God. I see a church so full of the Holy Ghost that nothing can stop it or stand in its way. I see a people unified, praying, and full of God's power. The church that I see has a message so crystal clear and so compelling that lives are transformed forever and potentials fulfilled through the power of God's Word. I see a church filled with such compassion that people are drawn from impossible situations into loving and friendly circles of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. I see a people so kingdom-minded that they're willing to count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep through this land. I see a church reaching out, raising up, and releasing a leadership generation that will reap the end times harvest so that all of its ministries, all of its campuses are consumed with this gold. Yes, I see a church whose head is Jesus Christ, whose help is the Holy Spirit, whose heart is the Great Commission, and whose hands are you and me. Let's be that church. Come on, somebody say, that's my church. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.